Welcome to New Creation, a home for the creative community of Los Angeles. For more information, visit our website at newcreationla.com. And now, the sermon. So today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, uh, verses 1 through 12. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. What is the good life? What defines human flourishing? What does it mean to really live? Well, in our new series beginning today, we are going through the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a sermon that Jesus actually preached. And so they are words to live by because they are words of life from the author of life. And so to live by them leads to life, both now and forevermore. And so they are very different from the words of our culture, the words of our world. And so it means this, if they are true, then everything the world has taught us about the way of life is wrong. Only the Lord of life can give us words of life. And so, our series, the Sermon on the Mount, Words to Live By. And so, to start, we're going to look at just the first portion of the uh, the sermon that Jesus preached. And the portion is called the Beatitudes. They are the the blessed statements that you heard. Now, in Latin, the first word that we translate blessed is beati, and that is where we get the word beatitudes. comes from the Latin. So, uh, I've made an attempt to take the beatitudes of Jesus and invert them, to give us, if this is what Jesus teaches, I think by inverting them, you'll hear what the world teaches. And so as you listen to sort of the beatitudes of the world, I want you to consider which words do you live by? The ones that I'm about to read or the ones that you heard Jack read a little earlier? So these are the beatitudes of the world. Blessed are the polished, the put together, the self-sustaining, the privileged, 
for they will get everything they ever wanted. Blessed are those who party, who eat, drink, and are merry. Those who do whatever feels good, for they will be content. Blessed is the entrepreneur, the goal-oriented, the go-getter, the demander, the aggressive, the claim-staker, the hard worker, the grade-getter, the goal-achiever, for they will inherit what is rightfully theirs. Blessed are those who want more, who hunger for wealth, material possessions, vacations, fame, and success, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who show no weakness, who always look out for number one, who follow their dreams, for they will be strong. Blessed are those who make their own rules, who go their own way, who don't let anyone tell them what to do, for they will become the best versions of themselves. Blessed are the fighters, the loudest voices, for they will get their way. Blessed are those who rise to the top by their own hard work, for they will be remembered for their greatness. Blessed are you when you seize your moment, when you do whatever it takes to get what you want, and when you rise above all others, rejoice and be glad because you have made it. You win. There's the Beatitudes of the world. Are those the words you live by? Do they deliver in any lasting way what they promise? Well, let me now offer something different. Let me now offer you the words of Jesus, the words of life from the author of life. Let's get into the setting. We're in Matthew chapter 5, but if you go back a chapter and look at chapter 4, you'll see that Jesus has been healing. He's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. He has been active action Jesus, right? And so you might think, well, why interrupt that with a bunch of words, with a sermon? Well, the great physician, Jesus, does two kinds of ministry. He does healing, and he does preventative care. And so Jesus says, if you follow my teaching that will also bring healing, and it will prevent some of what I am healing people from. And so Jesus goes up on the mountain. Let's take a look at the beginning, at the beginning of chapter 5 now, verses 1 and 2. So seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Okay, so Jesus ascends the mountain. He takes his position as the mediator between God and man, between heaven and earth. 
And this mountain is, becomes this throne that he sits on, the throne of earth. And he sat down and he taught them. It is he that speaks here. His words on his authority. He doesn't write the law here on stone tablets, but he writes them on the hearts of his disciples. May he write them on our hearts today as we hear them. So let's go through each of these uh, Beatitudes, but I want to start with just this word. Jesus is speaking blessing in this lesson. And so what is blessed? Well, the, uh, the Greek word, which is the original language that this comes to us, is makarioi. And it's difficult to translate in English. Uh, sometimes it's translated happy. But I don't think that's a very good translation uh, because happy communicates more of a psychological state. It communicates a general well-being. Uh, but the most common translation that we hear is blessed. Blessed are, and we kind of fill in the blank as we go. Um, it's a little bit better than happy, but... Um, what it does is it implies that God looks upon these lives with goodwill and with approval. I think that a better word that gives us even a little more full sense of this word is fortunate. You are in possession of a good that many desire but cannot obtain. And so we'll kind of, we'll play with that a little bit. I want to give you two other translations. In Hebrew, uh, the word used here is asheri. And it is translated uh, underway or forward. And so it actually communicates you are on a journey. You are moving forward. Now in Spanish... Uh, we get, I think, maybe the best translation. In the traditional Spanish translation, the word is bien aventurado, bien aventurado, which means good adventure. You are moving toward God, and it is an adventurous heart that is willing to leave the blessings of the world behind, and follow Jesus. Okay, so trying to give us this little bit more rounded sense of this, this word blessed. So the first uh, four Beatitudes uh, we'll see are not prescriptive, but they are rather descriptive. Uh, I love how uh, commentator Dale Bruner outlines these commands. And so what we'll see here is that Jesus blesses before he commands. He helps before he orders. And it's the same order that he's always going by. If we think back to the Exodus, we see that God rescues and then he gives his word of life. Now that I've saved you, here is how you are to live. So it's not the reverse. It's not, if you can be good boys and girls and live this way, follow the rules, 
then I'll do something for you. It is not that. It's the exact opposite. God saves first, and then he gives us words of life to live by. So, uh, I want us to think of these first four Beatitudes in this way. In them is God's grace. Okay, so... We've got God's grace here, and we've got us. And what we'll find in these first four is empty people. And what we'll see in these first four is that God pours his grace out on empty people to fill them. That's the first four Beatitudes. Let's listen to them. The first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the Greek word for spirit is the same word as breath. And so to be lacking in breath is what the description is here. To have a dependency for air. Okay, we kind of see something similar in Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And so this sense of, of the deer looking for water and just panting until it can find it, that is a picture of our desperation. To be lacking in breath is to say, I can't survive I am dependent for every breath upon God. And so it's to recognize a dependency upon God, is to say, help me. And what Jesus is saying is this, for you who are lacking, who are in need, who are dependent, oh, you are so fortunate You are on a good adventure. You are actually moving toward God. And he says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a promise, right? What belongs to the king, his kingdom, Jesus is saying, is also yours. Heaven belongs to you. Not it will belong to you, not follow this set of rules and there's a prize at the end. He says it belongs to you now. And so what Jesus does is he starts with where we're at, in need, and he gives us good news. He doesn't start with burdens, with commands. He starts with reality. He starts with where we are at. And so Jesus is speaking to those who fail and who feel that failure. And Jesus blesses the spiritually inadequate. Again, you who are lacking are fortunate. You are moving onward. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Now, the opposite of this is also true. Those who are not poor in spirit, not lacking, not failing, not dependent upon God, They do not have the kingdom of heaven. It does not belong to them. 
Our second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, Jesus is pouring out grace upon those in need. Blessed are those who mourn. The deepest mourning that we can experience in this life is death, right? It's the death of loved ones. And I got hit hard with some news this week. A friend of mine who is a pastor, um, several months back, his uh, wife had uh, a major bipolar episode. And so he resigned his pastorate and moved back to be close to family. And I got the news this week that she took her own life. Three young children, two, four, and six years old. That is mourning. And to think about all the people that that has hit. And to go, this is where God shows up. He comes to those who are mourning. His grace is for those whose sadness is deep. That is where God is real. And Jesus says, for those of you who mourn, oh, you are going to be so comforted. I have such good news for you. All right, our next beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus is talking about those who feel little. Those who are not made much of. The not VIPs. He says, yours is the greatest inheritance. You know what it is? It's the whole earth. And not just the earth as we know it, but the earth renewed and restored. Now, if you think about it, who inherits the most in this world? It's the most well-to-do, right? Established people who have made a name for themselves. It's nobles and notables. And Jesus approaches the little people, the meek. People who have no claims for themselves before God or before others. We might even describe this group as the powerless and the oppressed. Jesus meets them in their need. And he says, oh, you are so fortunate. You are on a good adventure. You're getting the greatest inheritance of all. All right, our fourth Beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God promises blessing for those who are starving for righteousness, both their own righteousness and the righteousness of others. And so to hunger and thirst 
is to need it to survive. It's to say, it's not a luxury. This is an absolute necessity. It's a longing for the world to be right, for justice to reign. And so again, the world tells us no hunger for wealth, for material possessions, for nice houses, for vacations, for fame, success, and that those things will satisfy you. But Jesus is saying here, if we hunger for those things, we will never be satisfied. But he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, you are so fortunate. You will be satisfied. And so these first four Beatitudes uh, address those in need. Jesus doesn't start up high and say, come up to me. What he does is he starts down low. He comes into the pit, into the valley, and he meets us where we're at, and he says, I've got good news. If you realize your need, you are so fortunate. You are moving toward me. You are on a journey, and you are blessed. So in the next three Beatitudes, Jesus shows how his disciples, now filled with grace, naturally or even supernaturally, pour it out on others. So again, we've got God, the source of grace. He's poured it into those who are empty. And the goal now is this, that those who have been filled would now pour it into others. That is the next set of Beatitudes. It's the help Beatitudes. Let's take a look at our fifth Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So mercy is not meant to be stored up, but rather uh, it's meant to be passed out. And judgment comes when mercy received does not become mercy extended. And so mercy is to extend to others, and guess what? Also to ourselves. I know a lot of us struggle with perfectionism, where we can be so hard on ourselves. Any mistake is just unacceptable, and we find our identity in those mistakes. But Jesus is saying, be merciful to even yourself. Blessed are the mercy. And I think this, when we're hard on ourselves, it also results in being hard on others. The curse of accomplished people is this, that it can harden them to those who are in need. That kind of leads to one of the problems of suburbia. We get kind of these just gated places, secluded places with no one in need. And what it does is it can turn us hard toward those who are in need. It can harden our hearts. And so, mercy in this beatitude is the blessing and 
it's the reward. It's the exact same. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, mercy and justice, they go hand in hand. And so mercy, justice, it's the act of restoring things to the image that God created them to be, right? So I think sometimes we can think of, of uh, justice as, as punishment, but really it's, it's bringing things back to their right state. Mercy and justice together, bringing things back to their right state. And so God fills us with mercy in order to pour it out on others. That pouring out becomes the result. Let's look at our next sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, the way that the Bible thinks about the heart is a little different than how we think of it culturally. When we think of the heart, we usually think just our affection our loves. But the way that the scriptures talk about the heart is that it is the control center of a human being. And so the heart is the affection. It's also the mind. It's also the will. And so it's this very big view of heart. And so uh, our command center, our heart, is then uh, purified when we are filled with the grace of God. And so when we receive mercy and grace, it transforms us, it changes us, it fills us. And that changes then our motives for the things we do. And it, it purifies our hearts to align with God's heart. And when we experience that, we see God. We see it, it, him at work in us and those around us. And so ultimately, the heart is only pure if it's been washed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the only one with an actual pure heart. And so when we move towards the pure one, towards him in faith, then we actually see him as he is. We see God. And so again, as the grace of God pours into us, we begin to reveal God to those around us. How blessed, how fortunate are those who have been made pure by the life and death of Jesus. Let's take a look at our next beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When the grace of God is poured into us, what comes out is the peace of God. Now, we normally think of peace as maybe just sort of the, the absence of war. But peace, in a biblical sense, the, uh, the Hebrew word is shalom. And it's this huge, holistic word. It means peace with God, which leads to peace within oneself, which then makes peace with others and brings peace about God's entire creation. And so this incredible view of peace we have in the scriptures. And so making peace, being a peacemaker, is artistry. 
It's something beautiful that is to be made. It's like a piece of art that is done with skill and intentionality and has lasting value. It must be worked at. It is difficult. And so those who make beautiful peace will hear the voice of God on the last day. And they will be called his children. And so creating peace and having mercy is really the occupation of God's people. It marks us as part of God's family. All right, so again, we have these first four Beatitudes that address our need, God's grace pouring into our need. Then in the next three Beatitudes, the grace of God pours out of us and into others. And so where does that leave us? It leaves us emptied again, doesn't it? And so this pouring out of God's grace is not a one-time thing. It needs to keep happening. Okay, I've got to be poured into once again. And that is our last two Beatitudes. We're emptied once again, which ultimately brings us all the way back to that first Beatitude. And so we start to see this cycle Right? So the Beatitudes are not linear. They are a cycle that we keep going round and round. Let's take a look at our eighth one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you go against the Beatitudes of the world that I read a little earlier, guess what happens? It leads to suffering. Is this not the life of Jesus himself? Why would we expect anything different for us? Today, right now, the body of the living Jesus bears the scars from the cross. And when we are persecuted, we receive these scars and we become like Jesus, who is the kingdom. And so what's amazing on this promise is that it's word for word the exact same as the first beatitude. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so what Jesus is masterfully doing here is he is using a stylistic device called inclusion. And so if you begin with a statement, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and then you repeat it, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, everything that comes between those two describes the kingdom of heaven. It describes what the kingdom of heaven is. And so what we see is that every promise between this first beatitude and this eighth one is a description of the kingdom of heaven. What is it? It's God's comfort. It's God's new earth. It's God's righteousness. It's God's mercy. It's God's face. You will see God. It's God's family, for they will be called children of God. These things are the kingdom of heaven. 
So in these Beatitudes, this is what Jesus is doing. He is giving us a description of the kingdom of heaven. All right, last one. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so this last one is really a summary beatitude. And what it's doing now is it's bringing it all home and it's making it personal. It's not blessed are the this group, that group. It's Jesus saying to his disciples now, blessed are you. Blessed are you, disciples. And so again, we've come full circle. We're back to the beginning again, in need once again, now persecuted. And so the level at which we experience these beatitudes uh, deepens, right? So at first, the need at which I realize becomes greater because as I try to pour myself out and extend mercy, I realize I can't do this. I can't do this perfectly, right? And so now when I come back to my need again and my poverty of spirit, oh, it's, now it's deeper. And so we get this cycle through the Beatitudes that keeps taking us to a deeper and deeper level. And this is the upside down aspect of the gospel, Life comes through death, victory through defeat, and yet the final victory is coming. This cycle won't last forever. And so our ultimate hope of final victory is the difference between this eighth and ninth beatitude. I'm going to put them up so you can see them together. The eighth, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness... And then in the ninth, we have very similar language. Blessed are you, right, when they persecute you because of righteousness here, because of me. And so what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus, he is the righteous one, the one who will make all things right, the one who is the kingdom of God, the one who comforts, the one who renews this earth. It is he. He is the righteous one who shows mercy, who is the face of God, who is the one who calls us into his family. Jesus Christ, the righteous, the son of God, the savior of the world. So the Beatitudes are a good adventure toward him, toward Jesus. They are a journey toward Jesus, a journey toward Jesus in community for the blessing, for the flourishing of the world. Kind of sounds like our mission statement, doesn't it? It's right there in the Beatitudes. God pours out his grace. He fills us so that we can pour it into others then he pours into us once again. And so church family, the Beatitudes are not a to-do list. 
They are a way of life. They are a good adventure toward the kingdom of heaven, which is found in Jesus. And so he invites us to call to him, you who are in need, and he will pour out his grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks that, that Jesus stopped to bring healing through teaching, that his words are healing. And so, Lord, help us to believe them. We are faced with the beatitudes of the world all week long. And so we have to be reminded of where true blessing comes. We have to be reminded of where the good adventure is. We have to be reminded that we are fortunate to be in need. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to pour your grace out upon us, that you would fill us so we could be a help to others. And, Lord, we know that that will lead to persecution, and so bring us back to the beginning again and fill us once more. Help us to live this out as your people, as your family, your community, on this journey together for the flourishing of the world around us. We ask it in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this sermon and encourage you to become a regular member of our online community. To find out more about the church, visit our website at newcreationla.com.